What's up, Iwu crew? Today, we're covering the shocking and unbelievable case of Paulette Gabara Farah. She vanished, but then they looked in the, well, we'll discuss that in a minute. Let's get into it. In March of 2010, the news of a young girl's disappearance in Mexico City would tug at the heartstrings of the Mexican people. Paulette Gabara Farah was four years old and had a speech impediment as well as trouble walking. She was born prematurely at a mere 22 weeks, and as a result, her disabilities rendered the girl helpless. Paulette was dependent upon her parents and two nannies for everything. Paulette's parents were Mauricio and Lizette. Together, they had two daughters, Paulette and her older sister, Lizette, named after her mother. They described Paulette as a ball of joy and an angel that would never cause a fuss and was always happy to please. Lizette was an attorney and Mauricio was a successful businessman. And because they were in the upper echelons of Mexican society, they could afford two nannies to help care for Paulette. The family lived in Mexico City, the nation's capital, where it wasn't unusual to rub shoulders with the political elite. Allegedly, the family developed connections with people in positions of power that could be called upon if needed. To the enviable public, the Gabara Ferras appear to have all the makings of a happy family. They lived in a luxury condominium in the notable Lomas neighborhood, maintained a multi-person caretaker staff, and both had prestigious careers. But what the public couldn't see was a reportedly troubled marriage and a businessman dealing with the downturning economy after the Great Recession. During the spring break season, the family went on a weekend vacation. However, the two parents vacationed separately. There were reports that while the father took both Paulette and her sister to destinations not far from Mexico City, Lizette traveled to Los Cabos to party it up with one of her friends. The family reunited back in their condominium in Mexico City on March 21st. That night, Paulette was tucked into bed and kissed goodnight by her mother for the last time. This is where I find the accounts of what exactly happened to Paulette to get a little murky. On the morning of March 22nd, Erica, one of the nannies, wakes up Paulette's sister to get her ready for school. Erica then walks her down to the front of the building, where Lizette Jr. catches her school bus. The nanny then goes back inside to wake up Paulette to get her ready for the day. But when Erica enters Paulette's room, she is nowhere to be found. Her pink bedspread eerily lays across an empty bed, as can be seen in a photo published by the La Prensa. In this photo, it appears that the bed is made and the sheets are tucked under the mattress. This is a detail that will become very important later. With Paulette not in her wooden-framed bed where she should be, the nanny immediately alerts her mother to the situation. Lizette is allegedly calm when she is told that her daughter cannot be found. Reportedly, she sips her coffee and smokes cigarettes while the nanny searches around the home for the young girl. The nanny would later tell authorities that she had conducted a thorough search of Paulette's room that morning and found no sign of the girl. Shortly after, Mauricio contacts his sister. She is the one who reaches out to the police to report the young girl as missing, not Paulette's parents. According to one source, the mayor of Huixquilucan then contacts the state of Mexico's attorney general, Alberto Bosbos. Then, Bosbos's go-to man, Alfredo Castillo, a deputy attorney, is assigned to lead the investigation into what happened to Paulette. I thought this detail was odd, as it was assumed that Paulette had been kidnapped. Why wasn't the head of an anti-kidnapping investigation leading the inquiry into her disappearance instead? That aside, investigators showed up at the house and confirmed that they didn't find any evidence of forced entry. 
The only access to Paulette's room was outside the house through her bedroom window of the second-floor condo. Upon inspection, it was found untampered. Lizette also noted that they didn't hear anyone enter the house during the night, saying that not even their two dogs had been alarmed by an intruder. It seemed that Paulette disappeared into thin air. Without evidence of a break-in, the possibility of kidnapping was starting to look more and more unlikely. So, where was Paulette? Once word was out that Paulette was missing, the media covered the case wall to wall. Billboards lined some of Mexico's busiest freeways, emblazoned with Paulette's picture and the words underneath, help us find her. Television crews came to the condominium and filmed interviews with Mauricio and Lizette. For one broadcast, Lizette sits upon Paulette's bed and cries out to the cameras, the only thing I want is to get my child back. She's a special girl who needs her parents, who cannot survive on her own, who has a family that adores her and is willing to give up their own lives for her. Despite this, the public eventually grew skeptical of both the parents. How could a little girl who couldn't move without assistance get up and walk away? How had someone broken into the house without leaving evidence or anyone noticing? Another question that arose was, if she was kidnapped, why was there no ransom note? None of these things made any sense. Under the order of Alfredo Castillo, the investigators took somewhat peculiar measures during the inspection of the home. The bedroom was not treated like a secure crime scene as we may expect. Castillo drastically narrowed the scope of investigators by only allowing a few photos to be taken of the bedroom, and questioning of the parents was quelled because, as he said, they were in mourning. Do you think the odd approach to this investigation could be due to incompetence? or corruption. Hundreds of people traversed through the apartment, in and out of Paulette's room, and reportedly destroyed any chance of recovering possible evidence. Search dogs were brought into the room, but supposedly couldn't detect any sign of the girl. Boss Boss, the attorney general, reportedly sent his bodyguard into the apartment to pick up the bedspread. Apparently, it was taken to have the dog sniff it to get a better source of Paulette's scent. As days passed by with no sign of Paulette, police began to notice that Mauricio and Lizette's stories weren't adding up, as both told different accounts of what had happened leading up to the disappearance. They were sent off to a hotel where they were ordered to stay put, while police attempted to recreate the scene of the night Paulette went missing. Things took a dramatic turn when each parent began to pin the blame of Paulette's disappearance on the other. A book written about the investigation titled Paulette, Lo que no se dijo, which translated from Spanish means what was not said, mentions that police were close to allegedly getting a confession from Mauricio. He had told them he knew where Paulette was, but that he was fearful of going to jail. Lizette, in turn, claimed that Mauricio knew what had happened. Mauricio turned on his wife, and so did the public. But shockingly to investigators, Mauricio and Lizette, along with their nannies, were released. On March 31st, nine days after she was reported missing, police were told of a foul stench emanating from Paulette's room. With video cameras rolling, police entered the bedroom. As they pulled back the blankets, they found the lifeless body of the young girl. In a photo provided by the Attorney General, you can see how she was wedged between the front of the mattress and the wooden beams that made up her bed frame. It was explained that during the night Paulette went missing, she must have shimmied her way down the mattress to the front of her bed, became entangled in her bed sheets, and got stuck within the bed frame, where she died of asphyxiation. 
At least this was the official story. Police would rule the death accidental. The people of Mexico couldn't believe it. How could all of those people who had been in and out of the bedroom not have discovered Paulette in those nine days? When her body was discovered in the video recording, one officer could be heard saying her body appeared badly beaten. They also pulled away what appeared to be bloodstained sheets. But this was explained for fluids that naturally escaped during decomposition. Police released that the sheets that the young girl was wrapped in contained the foul odors of her decomposition. Did Lizette actually give an interview to the press sitting only feet away from her daughter's dead body? Lizette's friend had even slept in the bed while Paulette was allegedly dead within the sheets. Neither Lizette nor the friend apparently noticed the stench, nor the body. The damning eyes of the public kept casting suspicion on the parents. Conspiracy theories were plentiful, such as the allegation that the parents could have been involved in their own daughter's demise, or that the political connections between the parents and prosecutors could have taken suspicion off of them. There are even theories that Paulette's older sister may have accidentally or intentionally suffocated her that night, or that Paulette never even made it home alive from their vacation. These are, of course, speculations only, and we cannot confirm any of the theories. After the prosecutor's results were made public, tensions between Lizette and Mauricio increased. Lizette received a restraining order against her husband and the rest of the family. After seven years, because Paulette's body was no longer deemed as evidence, her remains were exhumed and cremated, forever destroying any traces that may lead to different conclusions. 